Welcome to Round Rock Church of Christ. We're glad you're listening. If you're in the Austin area, we'd love to have you join us this Sunday at 8.30 or 10 a.m. Or you can check us out and watch online at roundrockchurch.us. May God bless you as you seek Him, and may He use this message to give you exactly what you need. Please remain standing for the reading of God's Word. I will be reading from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 29. Now this I affirm and insist on in the Lord. You must no longer live as the Gentiles live in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of their ignorance and hardness of heart. They have lost all sensitivity and have abandoned themselves to licentiousness, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. That is not the way you learned Christ. For surely you have heard about him and were taught in him as truth is in Jesus. You were taught to put away your former way of life, your old self corrupt and deluded by its lusts, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to clothe yourselves with the new self created according to the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So then, putting away falsehood, let all of us speak the truth to our neighbors, for we are members of one another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not make room for the devil. Thieves must give up stealing. Rather, let them labor and work honestly with their own hands so as to have something to share with the needy. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up, as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. This is the word of the Lord. You can be seated this morning. Uh, morning church, I wanted to make a just quick note before I got started this morning. I just want to say a massive thank you to you as a church. Uh, if you were here with us last week, I had a friend uh, that came and preached for us. His name was Rick. Um, and I just want to say thank you uh, for receiving him and welcoming him. Uh, I'm kind of new here myself still, and uh, it's always kind of vulnerable to uh, invite one friend that's an existing friend to meet all my new friends and new family. Um, and Rick just had so many good things to say about this church and about y'all. And I just want to let you know, I was very, very proud and honored to be like, this is us, this is Round Rock. So I just want to say thank you for that. Today though, I do want to talk about what God has in mind for you. What God may have in mind for you. Now, one of my roles, I feel like, is to make sure that I'm bringing you the word each week. One of the things I also feel like is my responsibility is to keep you up to date with the most irrelevant and popular trends that are out in the world. Why? Because I want you to be the life of the party when you are in different social settings, okay? All right, you can be the light of the world and still not be like in darkness, you know, of like what's like popular. Oh, hello, we have here's how today. <laughs> okay, so here's the trend that I'm going to let you know about. If you have not heard about it yet, then we're, we're, about, we're about to tell you about this trend, right, guys? We're going to tell you about it. Sweet. All right, we're good to go now. <laughs> okay, I'd like delayed it just for a second. If you've not heard this trend, this trend is called I Was Today Years Old. Okay, if you've not been in the digital sphere, 
I'm going to teach you about this concept today. Now, if you haven't heard about this, this is something that's going online. This is something that people are posting. And basically, the premise is this. They're taking original things, things that you're used to in your life, and they're revealing the origin story of it. And it's meant to shock you. And if it shocks you and you never knew that in your life, then you say, I was today years old. Okay. You're not impressed. All right. Let me give you a sample of what it's like. All right. Here's example number one. The club sandwich. Do we know what the club sandwich actually stands for? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't think so. Chicken, lettuce, under, bacon. If you didn't know that, you are today years old. Okay. This knowledge. Here's number two. Open sesame. All right. This is not a bun. Do you know what this is actually meant to be? Open says me. That's right. How many of you have mispronounced this in your life? No confession. Okay. I do appreciate that confession, Brian. All right. Here we go. News. Did you know what this stands for? Notable events, weather, and sport. I had to pick myself up off the ground after I read that. I never knew it meant that. If you didn't know that, you were today years old. All right. Footage. Surely, if you've been on the earth for a little while, you may know this, that movies used to be filmed by how many feet it took to record the footage. If you didn't know this, you were today years old. All right, I got one more for you. Strawberries. Do we know where the origin of that title came from? They call it a strawberry because you can poke the inside through with a straw. Now, I will say, the sources are a little bit shaky on this one. Mainly because I'm pretty sure strawberries existed before straws. Uh, <laughs> we're going to disregard that fact. Mainly because it's on the internet, which means it's real. Amen? No, you do not amen that. You do not amen that. This is the example of today years old. The premise of this is you to have your mind blown. Isn't it fascinating that we all love to have our minds blown, but we don't want to do any of the work after our minds are blown? Have you noticed that you live and swim and breathe in a world that is consumed by information, but there is not very much transformation around the world? Have you noticed that your instinct most days when you wake up and roll out of bed is to take in more information? All of us put on this information IV that we just slap on, we start going. If you're under the age of 40, it manifests itself in scrolling. If you're over the age of 40, it most likely manifests itself in the news cycles over and over. We long to hear information, but we are not experts of transformation. As one social psychologist put it, you and I are in an age of information gluttony. Some of you will rate your experience of church. I hear you. Some of you rate your experience by church by if you heard something new today. That's how you evaluate church. That is an information type world. And as we come to the text of Ephesians today, I want you to hear that you've got to have this in mind because when it talks about what God has in mind for you, 
Paul, this writer of Scripture, wants you to know what God has in mind starts with your mind. So I want to encourage you, if you haven't already, I want to encourage you to turn to the text that was read this morning. This is going to be in Ephesians 4. If you're new to the Bible, you can turn to the last third of the Bible and flip to it. We'll be in chapter 4, starting in verse 17. The writer of this passage, by the name of Paul, is talking to some early believers. These would be people who did not grow up in the water of what this faith was about. And when Paul talks to new believers, he starts with the mind. And he says, I want you to have this in mind when thinking about your minds. All right, let's see how many times I can say mind today. All right, in verse 17, here's how Paul starts. So I tell you this, and I insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. Now I want to pause you there. Who Paul writes to in Ephesus, who he says, stop being like a bunch of Gentiles, he is writing to people who would be classified socially as Gentiles, as people who didn't grow up in God's story or God's worship or God's morals whatsoever. Okay, maybe this doesn't have enough punch for you. Let me see if I can do it a little stronger for you. It would be the equivalent of me walking up on this stage and saying to all of you, hey, you bunch of Americans, stop being like a bunch of Americans. Let me punch it a little harder. Hey, you Texans. I know, Brian, you're not a Texan. I get that. I, I honor that. Hey, you Texans, stop being like a bunch of Texans. Okay, this is how Paul wants to start off talking about the mind. He says to a bunch of people socially who would be Gentiles, do not think like Gentiles. Paul reminds every mind that wants to share the mind of Christ is that you have to ground yourself in a different background of story than any other story, any other mindset, any other information that you have. If you accept Jesus, your main central focus point is His life, His death, His burial, His resurrection. In essence, what I'm trying to say and that Paul is echoing is that your mind cannot be like my grandmother's dessert dome. Okay? That needs some context. I understand. How many of you are familiar with these? This would be a dessert dome. I guess some people would qualify it as a cake dome. Don't get me in all the logistics. My grandma used to have one of these. My grandma was a wonderful woman. She treated me so well. She treated her desserts poorly. Okay, here's what she would do. She would take any dessert. I know this is going to make you cringe. She would, she would take any dessert and she would put it in this cake dome. And the worst thing about putting all your desserts in the same cake dome is they all start to taste like each other. Okay, so I remember one summer coming to her home. I mean, they used to drop me off for weeks here with this woman. I remember coming in and looking at this cake dome and seeing an Oreo and being like, I want that Oreo. And I would go up and I would lift the dome and I'd take the Oreo and I'd throw it in. And you know what that Oreo tasted like? A Christmas fruitcake. 
It was July, y'all. That's the problem. When you mix desserts together, you lose the taste that is significance for one. This is what Paul's getting at in Ephesians. When you say yes to Jesus, you are not adding different ideas to your life. It's not a sprinkle of political ideology and a little bit of Jesus or a little bit of TikTok and a little bit of Jesus. No, when you say yes to Jesus, He is the lens of your mindset and focal point for everything. And Paul says that if you mix your mind with different things instead of Jesus being the central, well, these ideas become futile. Which futile is just another word for empty. That they have nothing inside of them. Paul wants to make very clear for anyone who is living life in Christ, you can't mix up the mindsets. Back in the day, Gentiles would have heard stories about the gods, about Zeus, about Hera, about all these different practices. And Paul is saying you must set those aside like changing clothes because your new mindset is now Christ. And let's be honest, brothers and sisters. They're not the only ones that have mixed ideologies and mindsets. Let's not be confused that you and I walk in today after we have binged and consumed different podcasts, different political ideologies, and filled ourselves with Disney princess movies. That <laughs> I was not ready for that, amen. But that is true. We all come with mixed ideas. And sharing life with Christ means that you share the mindset of Christ. It was Augustine, an early believer, who said, the path of Jesus is this, is that you must empty yourself so you may be filled with what you are truly of in life. That part of the process of committing your life to Jesus is putting your different ideas on the shelf and letting Jesus' ideas drive it. And Paul says, if you don't do this, here's what's going to happen. If you want to look in chapter 4, verse 18, here's what he says. Those who give themselves to this emptiness, 18, they are darkened in their understanding, separated from life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality and indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That verse in verse 19, they have lost all sensitivity. Think of someone who has spent years playing the guitar with losing all. If you just look at someone who plays guitar in their fingertips, just callous, they can't even feel anything anymore. That's what Paul is talking about. That if you choose to dedicate your life to all these different ideas and mindsets that are out there, instead of the life of Christ, you will slowly become numb to being able to hear God and realize God in your life. Now, if you're not sure what you think about the Bible, the Bible's not the only one that echoes this. As a matter of fact, psychologists would actually echo the same trend that Paul tends to talk about. And here is what that trend is called. It's called the what the hell effect. This is a real psychological thing. And it basically is told like this, 
that if you give your mind enough to the smallest decisions that are unhealthy for you, they will slowly compound and manifest themselves in greater ways to come. Small decisions in bad ways lead to bigger decisions that are in bad ways. They call it the what the hell effect. Let me give you an example of where I experienced this in my own life. Uh, I'm not very proud to admit this, uh, but I had a season of my life where uh, I was a pretty heavy penny pincher. Um, one of the ways that this uh, manifested itself is uh, I, I would just, uh, I, I would never pay for a soft drink. Uh, I would always take a water cup and I would always fill it up with a soft drink. Why? Because $2.95 is too much for a soft drink. I'm still going to hold that posture till today. But what I would do is I would never, ever pay for a soft drink. And I remember in college, I had some friends that actually told me like, hey, I know you do that thing. Like, to be honest, man, like, you probably shouldn't. Like, you probably just shouldn't. And I completely disregarded it because I was just like, it's not a big deal. It's whatever. I ain't paying $2.95 for that soft drink. I'm just going to live my life, okay? And I remember that I did that over year and year and year. And this is when this effect came into my life. I remember one day I walked into work. I kid you not. I walked into work, and I was running extremely behind, and I had missed a deadline with my boss. And I remember I walked in. My boss looked me straight in the eye, and he said, why are you late? And without even thinking, I lied straight to his face. And I almost got away with it. Except my admin was at the desk behind. And after I lied, she called me out. And she said, that's not true. And I remember being somewhat shocked that I even lied in the moment of it. But what even shocked me more was that I didn't even feel the implications of how I could be deteriorating my boss and my relationship right in that moment. I'm not someone that just intrinsically lies. And as I started doing more and more work and asking myself, how did I become numb to just such a decision that I just did it, I just solved it right there, I'll just lie about it. This. Exactly. Giving yourself away to very small, bad decisions compounds into larger decisions. You want to know what hell is like? Hell is a thousand small decisions that go, eh, not sure if it matters. The effect that Paul talks about, the language of Scripture is alienation from God. You know what that feeling is? That feeling is causing hell around you and inside you without even realizing that you're doing it. When we give ourselves over to these different mindsets or attitudes instead of that of Christ, we become callous and our hearts become closed off. And the good news that Paul's going to tell you in Ephesians is that you can choose a mindset that will deform you or you can choose one who will transform you. That you can trust in different ideas in the world or you can trust in the one who shows life. This is actually how Paul is going to describe it. Go down with me to verse 20. That, however, all that way of thinking is what he means. That, however is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and you were taught in Him in accordance with your truth. That is Jesus. 
you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by desires, but to be made new in the attitude of your mind and to put on the new self, created to be like God in the true righteousness and holiness. Did you catch how Paul describes the relationship with Jesus? He describes it as one as a teacher, as one who teaches the way. If you want to know how Jesus transforms, you start with the one who is teaching what transformation even looks like in itself. I was having breakfast with a member a couple weeks ago, and they said something that just really stuck with me. They made an observation to me that said, you know, in the world of like discussing and debating and arguing, have you noticed like we talk about Christianity way more like it's a set of talking points than we do it actually being a person that we are in relationship with. And that seems to be how Paul talks about this. That we don't just subscribe to a bunch of ideas or beliefs. If you are in Christ, you are in relationship with the living, breathing God. Like that, we, you understand our fit. Like Revelation 3.20 exactly says it. That he knocks, he stands and knocks at the door. He's not dead like a president or a writer. He's a living, breathing Lord who is knocking on our door for relationship and wants to teach us how to do life. And when we accept those ways of life, that mindset, we enter into God's likeness. And if we don't, we slowly limit our ability to hear God and the transformation that Christ wants to bring with us. What's the truth that life with Jesus would want to invite you into? There's a follower, by, uh, a follower of Jesus by the name of David Gelpi, who after a lifelong of following Jesus said, when it comes to transformation in your faith, he says, I like to think about it as five categories that you invite Jesus into your personal world with. And I'm a type A personality, so if you can number things and color code things, I'm like, absolutely, give them to me. I want to know what they are. Okay, I'm going to share them with you today. If you're a type B, just hang with me for a second. All right, he would divide it into five sections. He'd say, these are the five ways the truth of Jesus can enter into your life. Here's number one, identity. That when you say yes to Jesus, how you see yourself and how you see others changes. My boss that irritates me, this is hypothetical, I'm not talking about my boss. My boss that irritates me, I slowly develop love and compassion for him because I know there is one that has love and compassion for me. Number two, interior life. This is the emotional life. We invite Jesus to reorganize the interior emotions of our lives. Now notice, I said not suppress, not destroy, reorient. I have to trust him with things like love my enemy, even though my enemy very much irritates me. That's number two. Number three is mindset. How we view the world slowly moves towards how Jesus views the world in our lives. Number four, filters. 
how we decide our morals, how we make decisions and values should be like Jesus' morals and values. And then number five, our societal perspective. If we claim that Jesus is good and beautiful and true, we start asking ourselves, how society can be good and beautiful and true in the world? How can the world start looking the same way it will look when heaven and come together? These are the five different ways in which Jesus enters our lives with truth and slowly starts changing them. But that's not just good enough that he changes those fives. There's one more piece of nugget in this text that I want you to hear. That's absolutely good news. And I need you to hear me, especially for those of you who said, I don't know if I can change or if I even want to change. Here's what Paul is going to say at the very end. Verse 22. You were taught in the ways of your old self, which were corrupted by deceitful desires, but to be made new in the attitude of your minds. A different translation would say, he works about the renewing of your mind. This is the good news in that one word, renew. Okay, There's a lot going underneath the hood of this one word. You can't see it in the translation, but it's there. And here's the two good words for that, of the renewal of Jesus. The first is this. When you see that phrase for renewal, that word is passive. And here's what I mean by that. That's just grammatical talk for saying it's not something you do as much as it's something that is done to you. The change and transformation in your life does not start with you and it does not end with you. It is Jesus Christ who has started the transformation and He will finish the transformation. Anytime you hop in to change in your life, anytime you say yes to Jesus doing that, all you're doing is welcoming what God is already changing inside you. And that's really good news. That's good news because it means that you're in process, which means the second part of this word, renew. Renewal is a present infinitive, which is just grammar talk for saying it's ongoing. It's a process. It is continually happening in your life. No matter how many times Eminem sings it at the Super Bowl, it is not one shot, one opportunity. Come on, y'all, that was, that was... You didn't see that one coming. I, I didn't see that one coming. I'm getting a look. Okay. It means the process of God is ongoing. It means this for your life. If you feel like you have failed this week, if you feel like you have missed the mark this week, May you know that you do not have to get your life together for God to love you. God already loves you. You can experience that love, though, that resurrection that you claim when you align your life with Him. A lot of times we walk through life with eternal life in us, but we're not living it out yet. Our actions welcome and assist the work of God, but don't kid yourself, God is working even if you can't see it. This is the good news of God 
around us. So let me put in an illustration for us as we move towards wrapping up. There's a uh, writer by the name of Eugene Peterson that talks about the work and transformation of God in your life through this way. That the work of God is so beautiful, it is like flowers in your life. You're like, come on, man, that was all that was underneath the cover. I've been waiting 20 minutes for you to pull this cover, and it's just flowers. He would describe it as like flowers. It's like beauty that is happening, and there's nothing you can do to grow them. He is growing them. But what he would say is as we align our lives to these five things that we pointed out, as we change our intellect, as we change our identity, as we let him transform our morals, as we let him transform how we socially see the world, he describes it as this process of like every single action you have is joining in God's partnership. But the thing is, is if you just accept that, it just doesn't come together. But here's how he would describe it. He would describe it like this. Every time you live life in the ways of Jesus, every time you have the mindset of Jesus, it is one by one by one putting flowers in a container. And it contains the beauty of God, the love of God, the resurrection of God. Every time you do something God's way instead of your way, it's like a vase to contain the beauty of God and it is revealing to people. And it helps them see what God is doing. This is the way God works. So we've had language in this church. And that language that we have is we want to be people who are changed and changing. Here, I just want to give this to you. you you've done worship service twice today. You've had to listen to a sermon twice, so there you go. That's for you. We have language called changed and changing. And in our Hear How series, we've asked, what are some simple ways I can invite Jesus into my life and do transformation? Here's your three today to wrap up today. Number one. What if you were to ask someone the question, what is it like to be around me this week? Here's the honest truth that many of your friends and family are not telling you. The people who love you the most usually are the people that know the change that needs to happen the most in your life. Not very often do we volunteer and give them permission to speak into it. What if you ask someone this week, what is it like to be around me? Show me the ways that the flowers are working. Show me the ways that I can still put the flowers in the container. Here's number two. Reading God's word before other words. Have you ever thought about how you start your day? Many of you start your day by picking up your phone and you're reading someone else's words. You either got a bad news text or you're reading the news about what bad thing is going on. What if instead you started with God's word? instead of other people's words. And would that open you up to something transforming? I've heard discipleship before, just like, what if you just took a Bible and you just put it in a place in your house and you just turned it to a page and every time you walked by that Bible, you just read a verse or a paragraph. Or you know what, if you're better than all of us, a full chapter, you know? Like what would happen if you just did that in your life? Opening yourself up to God's words and transformation. And then here's the third. 
What if you took our offer serious and next week you signed up for a mentorship relationship? And here's the thing. Matt has been working like crazy. He's got 22 mentors that are ready to mentor 22 people. When's the last time you had a relationship where is another person responsible for saying, this is what I see in your life, and this is where I see growth needing to happen? What if we actually took that call serious? Because that's where we will see the transformation truth of Jesus happening is when we open ourselves up to relationships with other people that can tell us where God is working in our lives. This is the good news, church. That yes, this week you are probably going to have a very average week. But you know how Paul describes the Spirit in this text? As completely average. As changing of clothes. Just as regular as that. That week, that just means, like this week, instead of biting your kid's head off because you're tired and exhausted and they keep doing that same thing, you invite a different way this week. Instead of completely disregarding that coworker, you embrace the truth of Jesus and say, I'm going to honor the least of these, those who aren't seen. And you're going to give that coworker time. Maybe the past four weekends, you've self-medicated and you've self-pleasured to pornography. What if this is the week that you just say, I'm going to do something different than choose this way or this outlet in my life? We open ourselves up to the Spirit, and then we let the Spirit transform us in the ways of Jesus and His mindset. Chris, do you mind coming up to bless us? And I'll pray. Uh, So God, we... We recognize that if we claim your name, we are changed people. We recognize that you are doing something internally in us. And Spirit, may you help us now externally live what you are internally doing. God, may you help us to be people who continue to transform into your mindset. God, we pray whatever we hold on to that is blocking us from being able to hear and to be able to see your good life. May you bring people around us and situations around us that help remove it. We want to be more like you, God. So we invite you in. In Jesus' name, amen.